Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or walmart.com. You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast, and this is episode 71. And today, it is perhaps the most exciting episode so far. (laughs) And I mean it because this story is from somebody who I love very much. And we met when her doula referred her to our very first VBAC parents prep Mm -hmm. course in Utah. Her name is Renee and she is incredible. And have you ever just like met someone in life and you're like, I need to be that person's friend. And then you just kind of like stalk them a little bit and then you make them love you. (laughs) You like tuck them away in your pocket and then like they don't have any choice and they're stuck with you for the rest of your life. That would be like how (laughs) I acted with Renee. And so um, I was lucky enough to be like such a little little teeny sliver of her birth experience. Anyways, but before I drag on and on about how much I love Renee, you guys, this story is epic. So turn the volume up. Make sure that your equipment's ready to go, that your iPhone is charged, because this is going to be epic. But before we get into all of the amazingness that is Renee, I am going to turn over to Megan to share our review of the week. Thank you, Julie. So I just need to apologize in advance because I'm probably going to botch this last name. But the, her name is Megan Gazinka. Gazinka. Yes. Gaciencia. Ciencia. I don't know. We're just white girls. We don't know Spanish. I don't know. <laughs> uh, she is from Apple Podcasts, and she says, There is such a need for these stories to be heard and empowering women to know their options and have control over their births. And I think we would agree with that. I think all of these stories truly do inspire. They help women. They empower them to truly do have control over their birth because we're sharing options, we're sharing facts, we're sharing the stats, we're giving it all to you and then letting you kind of take, you know, take the wand and run it into across the line. I'm thinking like half marathon style, but, or relay style, I should say. But yeah, we, that is our goal. We love it. So thank you so much, Megan. And if you have not left us a review yet, of course, we would love one. So head over to Apple Podcasts or Facebook or Google or wherever you listen to your podcast and drop us a review. We always read them every single podcast at the beginning, and we truly do love them and appreciate them. 
Absolutely. And do you know what my favorite thing is? I think lately is when people join our VBAC link community on Facebook and they drop us a message or they send us a picture of their birth. Yes. And lately we've had some like really empowering cesarean stories. birth stories. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've had some really empowering feedback stories. Yeah. And I just love it when they share their story and they say, hey, you know what? The VBAC link podcast really inspired me in my mm. birth. And that really makes my heart happy because because we're just some stay-at-home moms <laughs> trying our best to change the world one be back at a time. And when we hear stories like that, and when we get these reviews in, it really makes our hearts happy that we are impacting your little piece of the world wherever you are. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, it is Podcast Wednesday, and we are so excited. I know you already know this, but my friend Renee, my forced friend, I think might be appropriate, (laughs) but really, guys, I stuffed her in my pocket. I carry her around with me everywhere I go because she is that amazing, and her story from her cesarean story all the way up until the end of her VBAC. And even now, she's just incredible and inspiring. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. Because if I start sharing details, I'll share all the details. Mm-hmm. And then it'll just be me talking about <laughs> Renee this whole time. Well, so, there's so much of her story that we don't know. Well, yeah. So I'm excited. Well, and, and her journey from when she had her cesarean, the yep. whole transformation process she went through to even get pregnant with her VBAC baby in the first place is just like probably a whole podcast worth of mm-hmm. inspiration in and of itself. So, Renee, sorry about a time limit on you, but we got to keep this episode less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't even know where to start. Where Where should I start? What do you want to know? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for your service. Renee is a veteran and her husband is as well. I think they met in the military, didn't you? Yes, we did. We met in Colleen, Texas. Yes. And so you got married while you were in the military. We actually, no, we, oh. we met in 2006. I got out in 2008. He got out in 2010. And we got married in 2013. Well, there you go. Mm. <laughs> nice long journey. Well, that's cool. Okay. Oh, yes. So then let's talk about um, your first pregnancy and birth. I think that's a good story. Just like knowing your story on everything, like I think it's kind of significant to maybe start with the pregnancy. Of your first okay. So when we got pregnant, it, I guess I kind of have to give a little backstory. And shortly after our wedding in 2013, I was diagnosed with some major health complications that just kind of like came out of nowhere. I had had some health complications up to that point from my time in the military, but everything kind of culminated shortly after our, we got married. And in 2014, I ended up having brain surgery. Wow. And after I didn't know that. that <laughs> I didn't either. I know. Sorry. <laughs> after that, my health just was not where it should be. It had already been poor, and it just continued to go downhill. 
and it was really rough. And my physical therapist after the surgery told me, basically, you are at a peak. You are not going to get better from here. So, mm. you know, if enjoy life. <laughs> kind of oh, my gosh. I laughed at my ambitions and my goals to mm. heal more than I had been healed. So at that point, we decided, you know, if I'm not going to get much better, I'm only getting older. Now would probably be a good time to consider having kids. So we started to try to conceive our first child, and it was a very long process. I shouldn't say very long. I know other couples have had a a much more challenging time, but it took us eight months to conceive. And then the pregnancy was a high-risk pregnancy. A lot of challenges in that pregnancy, I gained 90 pounds despite like doing all the right things, all the things that my doctor told me to do, all the things. I was seeing a nutritionist. I was eating exactly as the nutritionist told me to eat. I was doing everything. I couldn't do a lot of movement or exercise. But other than that, I was doing my best. (laughs) And it was traumatic. It was so hard. Every bit of that pregnancy was challenging. It just kind of got more challenging when it came time to birth. I had this idea in my head of how birth should go. And it was everything but that. (laughs) I ended up with a 58 hour labor Mm. after being induced by multiple methods. And After 58 hours, 50 of which were unmedicated, um, we ended in a (laughs) C-section. So that wasn't the ideal. That wasn't what I had wanted. And it was a very traumatic birth as well. So after that, I just knew it had to be different next time if there was going to be a next time. Mm So I had... Prenatal depression, is that what it's called? Uh Perinatal. There we go. During that pregnancy and then after the birth, I had postpartum depression to the extent, oh gosh, here's the part where I get emotional, to the extent that essentially I believed my family would be better off without me. My newborn baby, (laughs) you know, of course, that makes total sense, Um, would be better off without me. And at that point, uh, this was shortly after the birth, my husband said, we've got to do something. We've got to figure this out together. Get off the couch, take a shower. We're going to go for a walk. And that was the start of everything changing um, he was, he was so amazing. He, I had had post-traumatic stress from the military and obviously from the birth of our daughter, our first child. And he, so he knew the warning signs. He knew what to look for. And he was absolutely incredible in making that, like pointing it out to me that something was wrong and that it needed to change. Mm -hmm. And 
So from basically that point, shortly after my daughter was born, everything in our life changed 180 degrees. We basically overnight threw away all the garbage food in our home, all the processed stuff, all everything, sugar, everything. (laughs) And we started down the path of a completely new journey in which we became some of the most obsessive (laughs) health food people. And we started exercising regularly. We started taking care of ourselves. We started living a less toxic lifestyle in every way imaginable. And that was our journey. That was for us. That was almost three years of that before I felt like I was in a place where I could conceive again, first of all, and then go through another pregnancy and give birth. So it was everything that all the choices that I made going forward in life from that point were based on the idea that there was no way I could go through the previous experience all over again. And Mm -hmm. I wanted better for my family and I wanted better for myself. I wanted better for not only our daughter, but any future children that we had. So (laughs) everything changed and I did all the research, constantly researching, constantly striving to be better health-wise. I lost 140 pounds. That's hard work, too. (laughs) Yes. I was able to wean off of medications I had been on for mental health for years. I was able for depression, for PTSD, for anxiety. I was able to just completely change everything. (laughs) And then finally, like I said, we we said, okay, I feel like we're in a place that we could start trying to have, to conceive again, to have another child. And with our previous child, it had taken a while. We had been, I've always tracked my cycles like my whole life. So we had tracked all the cycles, done all the things, everything, and we kind of expected that it would take some time. I have endometriosis, so it wasn't something that I expected to happen soon. And the first month that we started to try to conceive, we weren't like all in, really, if that makes much sense. Yeah. It totally makes sense. And yeah. just kind of like not <laughs> casually trying. trying, but trying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so I actually, it was a Sunday. I wanted to do, to start a three day bone broth fast the following day. Um, just, I was still kind of overcoming some gut health issues. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to do this bone broth fast. And I had, done several of them before so i'm actually looking into that that what is the bone tell us about it a little bit is it from the book eat dirt have you heard of that book it's um i haven't heard of that but it sounds really interesting 
Okay. Tell us, I, what's the benefits of the bone broth? Oh, so many. Go ahead. So, oh my gosh, yes. Like, I couldn't, like, we would be talking forever. <laughs> it's I great guess. for, like, um, leaky gut, so healing your gut, boosting your immune system, gut. Yeah. cleansing, like, oh, a detox. Okay. Oh, yeah, so many things. Detox for your body, for your mind, just better energy, better, I yeah, just better on so many yes like a three-day bone broth fast i'll google it yeah i'll google it like the collagen in the bone broth like seals your gut like it's really cool renee i'm gonna come visit you like (laughs) next week and we're just gonna talk (laughs) i I don't know if this is okay if i like do this quick little tangent but we left so this was august and in the very beginning of june i had gotten some results back in regards to my gut health, I had had a parasite that I had overcome from my military time, and I was still having intestinal bleeding. So Mm. my functional medicine doctor had said, you know, it's possible that you are actually indicating signs of colon cancer. Mm. So we are going to take away some of these foods that you're having sensitivities to and some problems with your gut from and try to heal your gut. And if we, in a few months, still see the bleeding, then we'll do further tests for colon cancer. Otherwise, if we don't, then we're good. We're good to go. So all that summer, I had literally been like fasting, doing bone broth fast, very little meat, a lot of high fat nutrition, lots of vegetables, healing vegetables and stuff like that. So I had just kind of gotten the all clear, like you don't have colon cancer, you're good to go. And that's why I was doing another bone broth fast or wanted to because I knew it was so healing to me. And with wanting to move into a pregnancy, I wanted to be in my best health. So that's <laughs> kind of where that all started. But it was a Sunday afternoon, and I said to the husband, I said, I want to do this bone broth fast tomorrow, but based on my cycle time and everything, I just I need to make sure that I'm not pregnant first because I doubt it. I don't feel pregnant, but I just want to make sure just so that I'm not, like, trying to fast <laughs> while I'm pregnant. Yeah, yeah. we know how that <laughs> ends. Need those calories. <laughs> yeah. So we went up to Walgreens. We got a one of those pregnancy tests. You know, they've got three in the box. So, so you can verify against each yep. other. Yep. We came <laughs> home. And, like, that day, I think, I, like, it wasn't really even the period of time where you should know for sure by taking the pregnancy test. It's one of those you might find out if you're pregnant mm-hmm. at this point. So I took the test and immediately the lines showed up and I was like, husband, husband, husband. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What is this? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, how does this happen? (laughs) How does this happen? (laughs) How does this happen? I was just in my total shock disbelief. Like I didn't, I couldn't even like wrap my head around the fact that somehow I was in a place with my health that I was able to conceive so quickly mm-hmm. 
and basically without having, you know, a whole lot of effort put into it at that point. And so then it was just like from there on, it was just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it, the pregnancy itself was totally different. I was, I still had some trouble, but I was healthy and I wasn't worried about all the complications because there wasn't any. It was a relatively normal pregnancy. You know, they, the things that you expect would happen would happen, but I didn't have all the high risk flags or anything like that going into this pregnancy. And that was just such a huge relief. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so that's how we got pregnant with our second. <laughs> and I don't know, I guess shortly after that, we announced our pregnancy. So our doula, Robin, who's absolutely amazing. We love I can her. vouch for her. She was my doula too. And yes. I love her. So she was our doula with our first, and we knew if we ever had another child that she would, of course, be our doula again. And so she, at that time, knew kind of our whole story, our whole journey of change. And right after we had announced our pregnancy, she said, hey, I know of these amazing ladies. And they do a, they're doing a VBAC training, and would you be interested? <laughs> and, of course, I was like, uh, yeah, because <laughs> I always knew, I guess, I always knew in the back of my head that I wanted it to go differently, but I didn't have a ton of information or a ton of education yet at that point. I just kind of, I guess, knew a little bit about VBAC but not everything. And I just knew I wanted to have a VBAC, but I didn't have a set plan other than knowing that I had needed to change my health. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, "Uh, yeah, let's do this. And I think it was like a Thursday or a Friday when she said something about this class. And the class was what, like on a Saturday? Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Megan was hustling. She was working hard to get the word out. I remember that. And she's like, oh, Robin's sending one of her clients to us. Yeah. Like, oh, we love Robin. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was crazy. You guys were the sweetest, too, because we, we don't live around family or too many friends. So we have our three-year-old, and <laughs> we were like, oh, we don't have a babysitter. We've never had a babysitter. Can we bring our child <laughs> to this? Heck yes. And you did. And, and she you was did. So she was great. amazing. Yeah, she was. Oh my God. She's so cute. <laughs> we love her so much. <laughs> so that like made it so awesome. And then we just, everything in the class was just perfect. Like it was a reiteration of stuff that I, I knew, but in a way that I felt more confident in being able to share our birth expectation or kind of our birth plan with people that asked about it, you know, it gave me that confidence to say, instead of just saying to ourselves, hey, we're planning this VBAC thing, we were able to talk to our friends, to our family, to basically anyone who asked about it, what's this VBAC thing you're talking about? And we were able to say with confidence, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And Mm -hmm. It's 
a absolutely feasible thing for women to do. Yep. <laughs> it's not crazy, which was kind of surprising because a lot of, I guess, growing up, I thought that once a C-section, always a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people I do. Had a lot of yep. family members who believed that and kind of up until we had our successful VBAC even, I had a lot of people in my life that were very skeptic that this was even a safe option or a possible option. (laughs) So having that course was just exactly what we needed to go forward with that confidence and to truly believe that it was something we were going to be successful at doing. So that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Like, is that a lot, enough backstory? (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. No, that's so good. It was good. You, you went through all, you did a lot of work and I feel like not only like physical work, like on your outside, but on your inside, there's a lot of healing and that happened in those three years as well. Um, considering your, your mental health and your emotional health and all of that, I'm sure was heavily involved in that whole entire transformative process for you. Oh gosh. Yes. A lot of, for lack of better term, like personal development, (laughs) those books you see, like when you go to the bookstore, that's like self help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I always thought they were really cheesy and corny, but that was before I actually started like reading them. And so I, through those three years, those three and a half years, it was a lot of personal development, a lot of personal growth, meditation, spiritual growth even, and really diving kind of into my own soul and my own heart and reflecting a lot on past traumas and where I wanted to go moving forward. So there was, especially once we got pregnant, there was a lot of meditation and really trying to work through the trauma of my previous pregnancy and the trauma of our previous delivery in order to fully believe that this could be a different experience. And I think we were really successful with that. It took a lot, but we were pretty successful with it. Even during... I I won't say it was easy because even during the VBAC birth, I had a couple times where I kind of had flashbacks almost to the the first birth and the first labor experience. Luckily, though, I had my incredible husband and I had our incredible doula and they were able to, I I was at a place where I was able to say, hey, I'm having... A hard time right now. I'm feeling kind of like a flashback right now from Vanellope's birth. And this is what my thoughts are. I need your help. And they were able to kind of comfort me and walk me through those moments that were really trying and help me to get through them so that we could continue on our little magical journey of birth through our VBAC. So that was really helpful. And I don't think I would have been able to recognize those things had I not done so much (laughs) growth in those last three and a half years. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that brings us up to the birth of my son, our son. 
so the pregnancy was, like I said, it was pretty amazing, big time amazing in comparison to the first pregnancy, just so much healthier, so much better in many ways, not that high risk pregnancy. But at 24 weeks, I started having contractions. And at that point, it was scary to me because I hadn't thought, oh, we're going to have to struggle to through all of this too. I I thought that, you know, we would just get to 40 weeks and we'd have this feedback and everything would be great. (laughs) And so that was a hiccup in the plan. And I had to kind of like get through that, which nothing was wrong. It was just those, what do they call them? Braxton Hicks, but they were a little bit intense. So I had that going forward from 24 weeks. And then we were getting close to the 30, 30 week mark. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was just kind of this goal of keep that baby in until 37 weeks. That's all you have to do. Keep that baby in until 37 weeks. And our midwife would tell me that. And I said, okay. So I took my exercise routine at that point and I kind of calmed that down. I started doing a lot more resting, a lot less physical craziness, tried to sit down a little bit more (laughs) during the day, drink more water, make sure I was eating really nourishing foods and 37 weeks came and then 37 weeks went Mm -hmm. and I had this mindset of just get to 37 weeks and you're good and And that's a hard place to be I had that too with my fourth pregnancy I went from trying to keep her in at 35 weeks to trying to get her out (laughs) almost (laughs) approaching 40 weeks like it's it's a huge mental shift and and more people need to recognize that I'm proud of you that's some hard stuff (laughs) (laughs) so I I wish I could remember specifically exactly when it really started but I think it was right around that 37 to 38 week mark that I started having like what I thought was labor basically almost every night. Mm, <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? That was such an emotional thing again. And I was like, golly, uh, this is tough. <laughs> like I, I went through this trying to keep, him into okay now if he comes out he's safe he's healthy it's it's an okay point for him to be born but then every night it was like is he coming tonight (laughs) and so we went through that for a while and I, I can't remember where I mentioned it that we were going through that and Megan actually saw my comment it must have been on a VBAC link post or something and Megan saw my comment and she said oh my gosh you need to talk to Julie (laughs) yep as a remedy for you yes cramp bark oh my gosh so I tried that cramp bark and that stuff oh man (laughs) it's nasty though it's nasty nasty. let's be honest (laughs) I can't remember so (laughs) was I supposed to take was the idea of taking that to take it plain by itself or were you supposed to no like under your tongue you put it under your tongue yeah okay yeah so I had it 
And I think I told you this, Julie. I had it set up where I would take the cramp bark, and then I was actually drinking from the glass jar maple syrup. Nice. <laughs> you told. Wait, did you just tell? Did you tell me this in the hospital when oh, I came to see you? Hospital? Yes, I was like, wait, I think I okay, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> maple syrup. Yep, I do. But remember. it takes the edge off, doesn't it? It's like worth it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that stuff was. It was like fire. <laughs> yeah, it's really gross. But yeah. it was like helpful really because it got me through. That prodromal labor, labor. I can't even say that without like getting <laughs> And then it was just so we were approaching. We hit our forty weeks, and we were like, "Okay, all is good." But this baby is still inside, and that's fine. But I really like to like not be going through this emotional turmoil right now. <laughs> so. I was, let's see, I was 40 weeks on Wednesday, and then Saturday came along. And Saturday morning, that's when I went into, I guess, what you would call early labor. And I called Robin or Dula, and I said, Robin, this is different. This is very different. <laughs> And I kind of explained, like, how my contractions were. They were 20 minutes apart at that point. I had vomited a couple times. I had mm. gone to the bathroom a couple times. I had lost my mucus plug. Like, things were different than the contractions I had had up to this point. And my husband, who works Saturday, Sunday, Monday, was at work. <laughs> And so I'm on the phone with Robin explaining everything. And she's like, it sounds like labor. <laughs> okay, great. So I called my husband. I let him know that I was in early labor. You know, I'm like, don't leave work or anything. Contractions are 20 minutes apart. It's probably going to be a while. But I'll keep you updated. So make sure, you, you know, you've got your phone in case things start going fast. So he's like, okay, no big deal. You got this. And so my daughter, our three-and-a-half-year-old, was basically my <laughs> labor coach all through Saturday. <laughs> we went on walks. We, I was just trying to make it through all of this. I would rest. I would eat ice. I would <laughs> whatever I needed to do to get through the contractions and then I'd have, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of rest and we were good and we would do whatever. And then that night things picked up like pretty close. So it was like about five to six minutes apart at that point that night. And so we were kind of expecting, you know, we're probably going to go to the hospital tonight or tomorrow. So we let his work know that he probably wouldn't be in in the morning and we continued to labor at home through the night and it was a very long <laughs> night and woke up the next morning and things hadn't really changed much still five to six minutes apart or so and still laboring but not progressing, not feeling like anything was really changing. In fact, 
we decided to go for a family walk and kind of see where we were at that point and decide if maybe he would go into work for half the second half of his day. Mm-hmm. And at that point, contractions were starting to come apart again, like not so frequent. So we decided to send him back <laughs> to work. And that afternoon, my daughter and I, again, were just doing our thing together. <laughs> Took a couple baths, just Lots. I tried cramp bark, make sure it wasn't like it was the real deal. I was, I tried CBD. I tried like everything. I tried sitting on a birth ball, walking, like, you know, how it goes. The whole shebang. You did everything. (laughs) uh, He comes home that night from work and nothing. So we said, okay, well. Let's see how tonight goes. Same thing. I mean, contractions were anywhere from 10 minutes to 15 minutes, sometimes getting down to like five minutes. But we woke up Monday morning. He went to work (laughs) again. (laughs) And my daughter and I were home together. And at 11.45 on Monday, I had a chiropractic appointment. So I went to my chiropractor appointment and he did the Webster uh, technique. And I said, I sure hope (laughs) that this is it. So at about noon, that's when the contractions really picked up in intensity right after my chiropractic appointment. And they were about three minutes apart, but that wasn't uncommon for me either. So (laughs) I didn't want to rush anything with my husband leaving work um, or anything. So Vanellope and I took a couple walks that day, took a couple baths that day, continued to do everything we were doing. And my husband came home from work and we decided to go into the hospital. We brought our daughter. And so we got to the hospital that night. It was pretty late. But like I said, contractions were two to three minutes apart at this point. So it had been very, very intense. So I I thought it was time. It was time. So we went in and I was dilated to zero. (laughs) I was. And they basically said, you know, well, you you can go home. (laughs) Come back when your contractions are five minutes apart. And I said, well, they're two to three minutes apart. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have much clarity on that, but we got sent home. (laughs) So frustrating though. Oh my goodness. Oh, but they did, they did give me some, what was it? It was a medication, morphine. Yeah. Yeah. So they gave me some morphine in hopes that I could at least get some sleep Monday night. And um, hopefully the sleep would kind of reset my body and help me to start dilating or start progressing in some way and so we came home and it was I can't remember exactly what time it was but it was around midnight or a little after and that morphine did not kick in other than the fact that it made my head feel fuzzy but it did not help any of the pain it didn't help the contractions it didn't Mm. help me sleep so I labored while my husband slept, I told him to sleep. Most people might not have done that, but I was like, if if this is going to keep going, I need you to mm-hmm. be 
my labor partner, I need you to be rested. You've worked all day, all weekend. I need you to be rested. So you sleep, and I'll just kind of try to figure out what what works. I got in the tub a couple times. I, again, tried that crimp bark. I, <laughs> to no avail at this point. I just remember lots of pacing, lots of, I was listening to the hypnobirthing, like, I don't know, hypnosis tracks, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lots of pacing in and out of the bath. I would try to lay down. Nothing. It was intense. But I was, I didn't know what to do because they had sent us home and I didn't want to go back to the hospital and get sent home again. (laughs) Because we are about 45 to 50 minutes away from the hospital that we were birthing at. Yep. So... I remember calling my doula a couple times, texting with her back and forth. And finally, like mid-afternoon, we decided that we would have our friend come and pick up our daughter. And then we would head up to the hospital. So I think we got to the hospital around 5. And they checked me at the hospital and they said, hey, you're three centimeters. Yay! Yay! Oh, and I forgot to mention this. Earlier in the day, I had talked to my doula, and she's actually friends with my midwife. And so I had kind of told them before this point that, you know, it's it's totally cool if you share some information or talk about mm-hmm. me. I don't care. She's so I like sweet. I so love much. that midwife. So, oh, my gosh. Yes, she is amazing. So that's um, her name is Emily, and she is just yes. absolutely amazing. So... Turns out what they forgot to tell me at the hospital the night before was, although I wasn't dilated, I was 80% effaced. That is huge. (laughs) Yes. That is huge. So that, I didn't realize what a big deal that was until my doula told me about it on Tuesday while I was laboring at home with contractions two to three minutes apart. Mm. Um, And she said, you know, but your midwife said that you are effaced. And so don't get discouraged. And it was like this huge celebration. And also that day, I forgot to mention, I don't know how I forgot this, but Miss Julie came over to my house (laughs) to help things along. Um, And she did an abdominal lifting technique that's basically pure magic and pure torture Torture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in hopes to kind of get our son to maybe reposition himself so that the contractions were a little bit more effective. And she was able to kind of slow the contractions down to about eight to 10 minutes apart for a couple hours. And it gave me a little rest as well. And I think that also contributed to that dilation that we well, I will. I remember the hospital. I woke up in the morning and saw your stories on Instagram, and I saw heading to the hospital, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so exciting!" <laughs> and then, and then the next story was like heading home, and then a zero <laughs> centimeters or something like that. And I so then I called you, and I'm like, and your husband answered the phone, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, how is she doing? Can I just can I come over? Like, I don't want to intrude and." But can I come over? Like, I just want to 
just maybe I can help a little bit. And <laughs> and then on my way over, I was like, oh my gosh, Robin's going to hate me. I'm trying not to like, I don't want to step, feel like I'm stepping on her toes or anything, but like, she's so no. sweet. She told me, I called her on the way back and I'm like, I just want you to know <laughs> that I love perfect. you. Because <laughs> so Robin, our doula, she actually lived closer to the hospital than she did to me. Mm-hmm. And so it was so nice that Julie offered to come over. Because we have to be friends, remember? <laughs> I'm forcing you in my little pocket. <laughs> that was wonderful. And of course, our daughter helped me that day too. She's with, so sweet. Like, she would like come over to me and put her hand on my shoulder and say, Mama, relax. Aww. It's okay. <laughs> so... Anyhow, we get to the hospital at 5 o'clock. They check me, and I'm three centimeters, and we're like, yay. Yay, but the that's whole, huge. That's like, a huge change totally, in that short time. They w- had wanted me to get to four before they would admit me. However, after they kind of consulted with the midwives on call, they realized, hey, you're basically almost 41 weeks. You know, it's a little different when you're 41 weeks versus like 38 or even 40. So we'd be willing to admit you if you want to be admitted. We kind of have like a shift change at seven. So if you want to go get something to eat, what do you want to (laughs) do? So we went down to the cafeteria and we got food and I could really not eat (laughs) because I couldn't sit down during my contractions. And here I am in the cafeteria of the hospital, and I'm like, oh, gosh, here comes another one. (laughs) (laughs) And the poor people around us. Oh, my goodness. So about 20 to 7, we started heading back up to the labor and delivery area, and we ran into our doula. She met us on the elevator on the way up. We get in the elevator, (laughs) and the elevator's broken. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The door shut on the elevator and we're in there with he was like a, he was a police officer for the for the hospital. Mm-hmm. We're in there with him and my husband. I don't remember where he was or what I think he went to get stuff from the car or something. So we're, Robin and I are in this elevator and the doors are shut and we can't get the darn thing to work. Oh my oh gosh. God. On this elevator. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would seriously have a panic attack. I'd be like, I know I'm supposed to be supporting like you right now, emergency but bed. I might need you to support me. <laughs> Can you just not do it? Luckily, like, it was like a minute maybe, and the doors like opened back up, and we're like, okay, next elevator. <laughs> oh my so gosh. We get upstairs Lucky. and get checked in or checked in and everything, and then. From that point, it was just kind of, okay, we're going to check you. Everything's good. Go for it. You're free to start laboring however you want. Set the room up. So we got the room set up and just started laboring. And then I remember being very adamant about not wanting my water broken. And I was very adamant about just trying to do everything naturally. So... At one point, I wasn't really progressing, so we talked about different options. And at that point, I said, "Well, let's try the nitrous gas. I don't want to. I don't want to break my water, and I don't really want pitocin yet or anything like that. Let's try nitrous." So I had been up basically since Saturday with little breaks of rest, 
you know, so I hadn't really slept much. And I was so tired that that gas actually like made me realize how tired I was. (laughs) And so I would start to doze in between contractions when I was supposed to be using the gas to prepare for the next contraction. And I'd started to doze and then the contraction would hit and I wasn't prepared for it using the nitrous gas to prepare for it and it would startle me. And so then I actually had a couple panic attacks (laughs) because I wasn't like really fully grasping what was going on. I was like kind of delirious at this Mm -hmm. point. (laughs) And I remember I was laying on my side and a contraction hit and I hadn't prepared for it by using the nitrous gas ahead of time. And I sat straight up in the middle of this contraction and I said, I'm done. I need an epidural. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, like this was uh, absolutely, I'm not getting an epidural. I'm not having a medicated birth. I'm mm-hmm. scheduled to be part of this, this study for water births at the university hospital. Like this is going to be all crunchy mama, natural birth. <laughs> and I sat up and I have never been more like sure of anything in my life. I didn't question anything. I knew it was the perfect decision, the absolute right decision. And I said, I I need an epidural. And within like three minutes, they were in our room (laughs) giving me an epidural. Nice. So So you didn't have to sit there and wait forever. Yep. No, it was like he had the anesthesiologist was in like just finishing up in the next room over. And so he had he came right in and was like, okay, let me get my cart. And seriously, within five minutes, he was like doing everything and getting me all set up. So we were able to get sleep that night and continued to progress slowly. Contractions got to like 20 minutes apart again. So they ended up doing low dose Pitocin, which at this point I was okay with and just Slow progression, but progression. So that was awesome. By the time they did the epidural, I was at six centimeters, which was past where I had been for my daughter um, in those 40 or those 58 hours. So I knew that my body was capable. It was just taking its time. And so we continued to progress. And then I want to say it was around 515 that evening when the midwife on call Claudia she's amazing said okay you are nine centimeters and a sliver like you have just a little tiny bit to go I'm gonna go get a snack and then I'll come back check you and we'll start pushing yay (laughs) so exciting at this point I like didn't know what was going on I was like okay I've I wait what <laughs> like what does that mean what <laughs> what's going on because <laughs> it was so unexpected I mm-hmm. guess and um I had prepared for hypnobirth natural unmedicated birth and everything and then I realized like I hadn't even given any thought to what does it mean to push when you can't 
feel your body. (laughs) So I remember talking to the nurses and asking a lot of questions, talking to our doula Robin and asking a lot of questions and please prepare me for this. What is actually going to take place here? (laughs) And in the meantime, I decided I needed to put on a full face of makeup and I needed to do my hair, hair extensions and all because dang it, I was going to look good during Yes, you deserve it. <laughs> so I had a snack. I got all beautied up. <laughs> and then the nurse and I, oh my goodness, I cannot remember her name. And I feel terrible because she was such a sweet woman. But she asked me, do you want me to check you? And we could kind of start practicing these, these pushes before Claudia heads back. And I was like, okay, let's do this, I guess. <laughs> and so she checked me and she said, everything is good. This baby is ready to come. Mm. And um, Robin actually went into, I guess they had some sort of storage closet. And she got this enormous mirror, this standing mirror. And she put it Aww. at the base of the bed and I could see everything. And but I couldn't see it very well because I didn't have my glasses on. So then I ended up putting my glasses on. So I'm laboring with glasses and everything. But it gave me the opportunity to see, like, my muscles move. So I wasn't completely, like, doing it without knowledge of what was going on down yeah. there, even though I couldn't feel anything. So that was really cool. And uh, we just started pushing and an hour later, this incredible baby came into this world and just, it was magic. That is so exciting. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I got to touch his head as he was crowning and I got to see his head and he actually had, um, now you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation, a double, nu- is it nuchal? Nuchal nuch- cord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had a double nuchal cord and Claudia, our midwife, like released that like a champ, like (laughs) while Robin's videoing the whole birth. So that was kind of an unplanned thing for us to have Robin do that. But she videoed it for us on her iPhone and sent me everything. So not only did I get to experience it, Mm. but I've gotten to experience it multiple times. since then and every time I just tear right up. still, I told you, it's one of my biggest regrets that no one thought to flip out a phone at my birth and I didn't hire a birth photographer because we, you know, we just, my husband was like, we don't need one more person in the room. And I'm like, I know, I know. But um, man, it's just one of my biggest regrets because I just feel like I'll never get to relive that from a different view. So I'm so glad she did that. It was perfect and it was it was like, what was the first words that you said? Well, I the first words as soon as he came out was, oh, my God, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Then, like, in my birth plan, I had said, when he's about to be born, I want quiet voices. I want him to just have this whole calm experience, like, in my head, you know, and I want him to hear my voice first and all these things. I was thinking, you know, well, then here I am screaming, (laughs) my baby, my baby, my baby. I love it. (laughs) And then in the video, you can actually see where all of a sudden it like hit me that I was screaming. 
And I started apologizing. To him. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm yelling at you. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I think it is so funny. I, I mean, maybe I did it too. I don't know. Like, I have so many mamas being like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, do not apologize. This is your birth. This is your day. Like, yep. you don't need to say sorry to any of us. Like, we want, like, yeah. <laughs> no mm-hmm. sorries, mamas. No sorries. <laughs> there are no sorries in Lima. No sorries allowed. <laughs> oh, I my goodness. One of the cool things, too, during labor is that, and I caught myself doing this, and then Robin reminded me that I had done this, is that in between contractions, I was talking to our son, and I was telling him, hey, Hmm. It's okay to come out. It's safe. You're strong. Let's do this together. And it was all the affirmations that I had been telling myself over the last three years. I was using them to to convince my son to come our side. That is so sweet. (laughs) And I think it's neat because it's like you have all these scripts in your head and if you keep cementing them into your brain they become something that you utilize when you need them most and that's when I needed them most is during labor even though I had an epidural it was probably one of the hardest things but one of the most magical experiences so I was using those those scripts those affirmations at that point and I just thought that was really cool (laughs) yeah that is super cool that's really neat. I remember Megan and I were together. Like we were, t- I don't remember. What did I have to bring you? I feel like I had to bring Invitations you. Invitations yeah. for our birthday party. Yes, our birthday party. That's tomorrow. But by the time this is live, it'll be have been like months ago. But anyways, <laughs> so we were making a swap in a parking lot and I was talking to her on the way up in the car and she asked how you were doing. And I was like, I don't know. I haven't heard from, last I heard from Robin, she was like, just starting to push and so I'm like that was two hours ago and so like two hours of pushing it's like a normal first time mom it's like two hours of pushing and so she's probably like holding her baby like right now like she just barely had her baby and then and that was on our way my way up to meet Megan in the parking lot and then we were in the parking lot we we did our little drug deal and swapped invitations <laughs> and that's all I remember we were in the parking lot <laughs> and then I was like we pulling away and Robin texted us at the exact same time and I like put a sun on my brakes and like bleeped on my horn so Megan came my attention and we like rolled our windows down she, we're like at the same time she had her baby <laughs> <laughs> I like I like pulled around and like jumped out of the car. I'm like, we have to send her a video. And so we totally just like made a video and sent it to Robin, the doula. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were so excited. We My were face so excited. was hurting from smiling yeah. so big. Oh, you worked so hard. I felt like I had so many cheerleaders. You did. During that whole experience. And I remember Robin kept asking me, so-and-so is asking about you. Would it be okay? Do I have your permission to share? Mm-hmm. And I finally said to Robin, I said, Robin, you know all the people that matter to me. And if they're asking about me, tell them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to keep asking for my permission. Because it was, it, was it was Emily, my midwife. It was Julie. It was Megan. It was our other, our backup I guess I don't know how for lack of better term Annika, Annika was another, the backup uh, doula. doula that if Robin wasn't able to be there with us Annika was going to be there and 
funny story is Monica was actually our birth educator when we were learning about how birth works and everything and how it works at that hospital for our daughter and had referred us to Robin as a doula. So she kind of came full circle this time. And so everybody was asking and it was just so many cheerleaders and so many people that were so kind and so motivating to us, just lifting us up through the whole experience and, you guys weren't there, but I felt like you were. Oh, <laughs> like we, we were. Our minds we were, were there. there. In spirit, that's <laughs> yeah, for sure. We, we were thinking about you all day, every day, for like three days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, well, we just love you, and we're so, so happy for you. I, I really do. I remember just that very first text, you know, that things were happening and then the update from Julie and then the new update. And then I just all along the way, it's just so fun to be a part of the journey, even though I wasn't physically there. So thank you so much for incorporating us into that lovely birth journey that you had. Oh my gosh. Like Mm -hmm. you guys were so, such a big part of it just from the beginning of the pregnancy mm. when Robin said, hey, do you want to go to this course yes. <laughs> or this class that they're putting on? And just from that moment, like, we loved you guys and the information you shared and then just felt like you were friends, like you were saying. <laughs> yes. Put you in my Meant to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to also talk a little bit about... Nutrition in pregnancy, because you did a lot. You Mm -hmm. did a lot, and you still are doing a lot. You're just so amazing. So it's so hard because sometimes women are very, very, very sick in pregnancy, and that can make it really hard to stay up with, you know, doing, getting the right nutrients that you need. And then some people, they're doing all the right things, and still gaining. I think you mentioned that still gaining a serious amount of weight and and just not being able to control that. It's out of their control. But it's so important to get the correct nutrients and and really consume enough. A lot of the times just in everyday life, not pregnant, we're not consuming enough. So I am a big, I like to count macros. It's kind of annoying sometimes, but I like it. But it's so important. (laughs) And it was really eye-opening for me when I realized that, whoa, like, I'm not meaning to starve myself, but I'm starving my body and myself of the calories that I needed and the nutrients that I needed. So it is really so important. So, you know, people say like, well, how much do I eat? And do I eat for a whole nother person? It's like, well, you know, everyone's dietary needs are are individual. And so you want to talk to your doctor about it, like how many extra calories should I take in or whatnot, you know, but it's so important and making sure that you have foods that are enriched with iron and calcium and good, healthy healthy calories so grains yeah. uh, grains for energy fruits and vegetables those are packed with antioxidants and fiber and really healthy fat so and, and just natural sugar like it's not like a brownie right like eating a strawberry is not eating <laughs> right. like a brownie <laughs> um and and beets you know some people How about cut, strawberry on a brownie uh well <laughs> um so meat some people don't eat meat and that's okay there's lots of other ways to get protein but good protein there's nuts there's legumes there's eggs eggs yeah there's so many things oh, yeah. and all of these things are also enriched with folate and iron and 
and vitamin D and calcium and all of these things and, oh, and yeah. dairy, Greek yogurt. You know, one of my favorite snacks, some people might think it's gross because it's unsweetened. It's unsweetened plain Greek yogurt. Right. Ew. So, oh no, it's so good though. Oh my gosh, I, I am the most unhealthiest and person I, right now on this conversation. I yes, I eat it. <laughs> I really um, am. <laughs> I actually put it. I eat it different ways, but one of my favorite ways is I love With raspberries. Brownies. No, oh, <laughs> um, brownie or brownies. Ah, it's on my mind now. Um, raspberries. I smash them up, and so I make my my own raspberry. And sometimes and it I'll put it, right. It sweetens it up, yeah. and if it doesn't sweeten enough, or you know, if those raspberries aren't sweet enough um, I will sometimes do a tablespoon of honey <laughs> of natural honey oh, that's and a good idea. it's so amazing and like I've in the past like I'm not really a huge fan of stevia it's like fake sugar right but I'll do like a half a tablespoon of that and that's enough to make it sometimes not taste like sour cream but anyway <laughs> there's so many different ways and almond milk and beans and I mean I could just go on forever and chicken but it's so important to really beef up your nutrients because it's not like if you don't, like, everything's going to happen badly or you know, poorly, but it really does encourage your body to <laughs> to be nicer, especially in the end of pregnancy. It reduces swellings and, and things that oh, yeah. you, you can avoid. So, and it also Definitely. makes postpartum easier, easier because if you don't yes. gain 80 to 90 pounds, and, and there's nothing against the women that do. Sometimes women do. I mean, I, I was up there for sure with my first baby. But it's just easier in the postpartum stage to lose that and feel better and to get back into it. Oh, yeah. So, so basically, what you're saying, what is I'm saying is, less healthy. brownies, less brownies, more whole foods, <laughs> eat the rainbow, eat the okay, rainbow. So like lots of greens I don't know if and it's okay with you if I mention this, but oh, of course, uh, Go as ahead. far as nutrition goes, I think I know where you're going. I, I learned with nutrition. Well, sort of nutrition, and it kind of goes back to that bone broth fast that I want to do. Yes, I'm going to Google. So, especially when you are going for a VBAC, that collagen is really, really beneficial in helping to strengthen your uterus, Mm -hmm. strengthen your muscles, Mm -hmm. strengthen especially your scar area. That makes sense. I did. That's logic. um, (laughs) Grass-fed collagen peptides. Mm. And I had a serving of that every single day in my smoothie. And then I tried to have a lot of bone broth from grass-fed bones. And I actually made it homemade myself. I know that there's some cool places around here locally that sell that stuff. Like there's a place by Costco in American Fork, like a butcher shop that sells like um, stew bones and stuff from grass fed. That's actually where I got them from. (laughs) See, I'm channeling my inner Renee. (laughs) Yes. But that, I mean, from what my research has been, I guess from experience of having a su- had a successful feedback, I believe that, you know, being healthy is really important. Absolutely. And choosing those really, like you were saying, choosing those really high density nutrients, mm-hmm. um, I think was really a big part of our journey and making sure that kind of everything 
turn out the way that I want it. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, I've got two things before we before we disconnect here um, that I want to okay. tell our listeners. The first is we have a blog all about VBAC pregnancy nutrition. You can find that on our blog. As always, it's the vbaclink.com slash blog. Scroll down just a few posts and you're going to see it because it's the only green thing on the blog page because it's got like a picture of green vegetables and stuff there. <laughs> and the second thing I want you to do, Renee actually has an Instagram account where she talks all about her nutrition journey. And let me tell you, Again, again, She's I am very a stalker. Inspiring. I'm a, I'm a stalker. I stalk <laughs> Renee. So I'm about to get a little um, creepy here. But Renee mm-hmm. makes these um, lunches called sexy salads. And so like every every day, I feel like almost, it's probably not every day, but quite often you post a sexy salad and you tell what's in the salad. And I'm like, holy cow, that's actually a really good idea. And one day I'm going to make my own sexy salads for, lu- for lunch. Um, I have so gotten <laughs> out of the habit. I need to get back in. Well, you had one while you were in labor, I think. you po- I think I saw on your Instagram stories you had a sexy salad at the hospital because they have a really good salad bar at the U. They do. <laughs> but um, her Instagram page is Renee Howie. And just in case you were wondering how to spell that, it's R-E-N-A-Y-H-O-W-E-Y. So R-E-N-A-Y-H-O-W-E-Y. And if that's a little difficult for you to remember... Find us at the VBAC link on Instagram, and we are going to have her very special image from her birth on our Instagram page today, and we are going to tag her right there for you. So go ahead and give her a follow. She's very inspiring. She is very fun, in case you didn't already get that. i have totally vouched for it. And, and again, she's very inspiring, and, and we just love you and your story so much. Oh and I, God, you're never going to get rid of me. <laughs> Seriously, thank you so much, babe. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you for for letting me share. I think it's really important that women feel connected to other women on this journey. Absolutely. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the VBAClink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.